0: This is a podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Trenton, Michigan, a gospel centered community seeking to glorify God by making, maturing, and multiplying disciples. For more information, check out fpchurch.tv. Well, good morning. Our reading comes from Luke chapter 12 this morning. Here Luke writes. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your body, what you will put on. For your life is more than, pardon me, about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If, then, you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not And these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with the treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also.
1: Let me give you a second welcome. Welcome, First Press. Glad to be with you. Um, Our text here is Luke 12. We're continuing to move through Jesus' discussion as Jesus is talking to a massive group of people. And I would just remind you that some scholars think at this point it's anywhere from 20 to 30, possibly even as high as 50,000 people that are gathered to hear Jesus speak. Pretty astounding when you think about it. And one of the things in chapter 12 that points us to this is the pressing in. People were beginning to trample one another just to get near Jesus. And Jesus had a mixed multitude. There were believers and unbelievers. And yet today we'll see specifically that Jesus is focusing on the believers. So let's take a moment and prepare our hearts and just ask the Lord to guide us today, shall we? Heavenly Father, we do come before you, and Lord, we ask you to. Move in us and through us. Guide us. Lord, help us to uh, be attentive to your word. Help us to see the importance of your word. Help us to hear you today. Lord, we are mindful that we are a needy people and that we have physical ailments, we have emotional ailments, and Lord, yes, we have spiritual ailments, all of which we know you can heal. And so, God, we come here this morning looking for you to work in us to work through us, to, to make us more and more in the image of your beloved Son. And yet, Lord, we know that we aren't the only ones who feel this need. We live in communities where there is great need. And, Lord, as we look across the world, we see the great need. We see it in, in Lord, the Ukraine. Our hearts break as we see the images on our television sets of what's taking place. And, God, we do thank you that we know that you are a God who cares and Lord, you've also called us to be people who care. So Lord, help us to be mindful in our prayers, to, to, to pray on behalf of the people of Ukraine. Help us to be mindful, to, to think of ways, and, and especially the opportunities we've been given today in, in helping the people of Ukraine. But God, we recognize that the need is not just in Ukraine, it's all around us. And so God, we know that there is a desperate need in this world for you and for your presence. God, we pray that we would be light, that we would be salt, that we would be your witnesses to a world that so desperately needs to know about Jesus. And Lord, we pray that this morning we would be filled up, that we would be fueled up, and that we would be prepared to be more and more your ambassadors in a world where we can preach the good news of Christ and those who are far off can be brought near Help us to believe that. Help us to truly preach that, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you would use this morning to empower us. God, protect my words that I would not say anything more nor less than you've given me to say. God, help me to be faithful to the entirety of your text. Lord, I do pray that you would use your word this morning along with you, Holy Spirit, to, to convict us, to prod us, to strengthen us, to encourage us, And Lord, as we pray each and every week that we would be changed, that we would be transformed. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. The truth is, we live during scary times, don't we? You think about it. We have wars, we have disease, we have rising costs. These just name a few of the things that we're dealing with in our context. The question before each of us is what do we fear? What worries you daily? R.C. Sproul asked this question specifically in his commentary. He says, I want you to ponder the questions throughout the day of what do you fear? What worries you? I want you to take note of those things that continually come to mind. Friends, if we did that, what would be the things that we would write down? What are the things that contemplate our mind and attack our heart and and move our spirit in such a way that we recognize we worry or we fear about what? Well, it's those worries and those fears that Jesus takes aim at in Luke chapter 12. As we look at Luke chapter 12, specifically verse 21, we see the connection of why Jesus says we shouldn't worry. We shouldn't fear. Notice he's focusing on the idea of what it means to be rich in God. Now as I said at the opening, Jesus is speaking specifically to his disciples. I draw your attention to verse 22 and it says, And he said to his disciples, In verse 21, he was speaking to the crowd. He was telling a a story, if you will, a parable, because a man had asked Jesus' help to deal with his inheritance. But now in verse 22, Jesus is done speaking to the crowd, so to speak, and he's focusing in on his disciples, the believers, to those who should understand that they are rich towards God. Notice what he says in verse 22. Therefore I tell you, Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor your body, what you will put on. Jesus is stressing here that we need to understand our richness in God. And because of that, we need not be anxious about our life. We need to stop worrying about what we're going to eat or or what we're going to put on. We need to be focused on the fact that we are rich in the Lord. Jesus is really saying, if you knew what you have in God, you wouldn't be worried. You wouldn't be fearful. Regarding this passage, there's a commentator by the name of Dale Ralph Davis. I think he accurately points out something that can be missed if we're not paying attention, that this message of anxiety, this message of worry, this message of fear, is really the same message as last week, which is the message of covetousness. He goes on to say covetousness is a problem not only for those with big barns like last week, but also for those with empty empty pantries. Think about that for a moment. Not only do the rich covet, but so do the poor. We may covet different things, but both all covet. And the problem at the heart of it is we need to see that we are rich in God. Specifically speaking to believers, Jesus is aiming his message and saying, describing your faith, saying, look, understand at the heart of this is about belief. It's about trusting God. Jesus is really saying, This is about your sanctification. This is about you becoming more and more like Christ. You need not worry about the things of this world. Your eyes should be fixed upon the kingdom of God. Friends, we understand that Jesus is preaching and speaking in this 12th chapter as he's on his way to Jerusalem. For what purpose? To die. As Jesus is on the road to his death, he's saying these things not only to the masses, but specifically to his disciples. Understand why you're here. Understand why I'm here. I came to transform you. I came to save you. That's the good news of the gospel, isn't it? That Jesus came to save sinners. That Jesus came to give us new birth. So that we can live now a new life, one that's not full of worry and anxiety and fear, but one that's full of trust and confidence upon God, recognizing our riches we have in Him and Him alone. As Jesus is speaking, Jesus begins to give this insight to the gospel that we have more than, notice this phrase in verse 23. For life is more than food, and your body more than clothing. More than, that's what the gospel offers. Surely it's understandable that we need food, bodies can't live without food, right? We shouldn't be walking around naked, but ultimately we need to understand that life is more than that. It's more than the simple physical things that we oftentimes become consumed about. We need to understand that we have a riches that transcends not just the physical, but the spiritual. And in light of the gospel, we truly do have more than. Listen to the comparisons Jesus gives. Jesus says, Consider in verses 24 through 26 the ravens. As he talks about the ravens, let me describe a raven for you. It's usually considered a blackbird, it's pretty large. It's not a clean animal by Levitical law. So when Jesus is talking about the ravens, he's talking about something they cannot eat, something they were to stay away from because it was considered an unclean bird, something that was set off limits from them. And yet Jesus says, Consider the raven, this unclean, filthy bird. It neither sows nor reaps. This dirty bird is a scavenger, not a farmer. And yet God feeds them. Notice Jesus begins to use a tagline. Jesus says, how much more valuable are you than they? How much more valuable are you than they? And Jesus is getting to the heart of our anxiousness. He goes on to say, our anxiousness, our worry, our fear can't add one more hour to our life. In fact, worry does the exact opposite. It gains us nothing. It only steals from us our joy and our contentment. Worrying is not trusting. I've often heard it said that worrying is the granddaddy of all sins. It's the foundation. It's the the root cause. and It's tied there with being covetousness. They were coveting all the things we, we think we should have and, and we're expecting that God should fulfill those things and therefore God is really mean because God isn't giving us what we want. And so rather than trusting God and loving God, we become angry at God. And yet Jesus says, more than this you've been given. Consider the raven. If you don't want to consider the raven, in verses 7, 27 through 29, Jesus says, consider the lily. Now, a lily was a wildflower that grew in, there in Galilee on the countryside. It was everywhere. He, Jesus goes on to say, these lilies, they don't work, they don't spin, yet God clothes them better than King Solomon himself. What an illustration Jesus gives when you consider who King Solomon was, the richest, wisest king of all of Israel. And yet these flowers are clothed better than him. And they did nothing to earn it. God clothed them, he goes on to say. And God does this beautiful clothing upon them, and what's going to happen to them? They're going to be burned, thrown into the oven. Friends, as you think about that, it definitely teaches that God is not a pragmatist. (laughs) If God were a pragmatist, he would say, well, I'm going to keep them stripped back, make them kind of ugly, because they're just going to be burned up anyway. But no, God, in His great love of beauty, His great love and concern for us, and His great desire that the world will reflect His glory, He gives these flowers beauty, a beauty that King Solomon himself didn't wear. See, here's the point. Jesus goes on to say, How much more, there's our tagline, how much more will you be clothed? How much more. Has God taken care of you? How much more are you rich in God than the raven or the lily? Then Jesus says something pretty startling. He says, O ye of little faith. Friends, that line is a punch in the gut because it speaks of our lack of contentment. The lack of trust we have in our sovereign God. The God who didn't hold anything back but gave us his own son. And who did he give his son for? Sinners. Those who were busy sinning against God. That's who Jesus came to save. And it's to those sinners that he calls unto himself to be his church that he says, fear not. Don't worry. Don't, Don't be anxious. Understand the riches you have in me. truth is we all need to get the right perspective don't we and we need to stop being unsettled by the things of this life we need to stop fearing and begin to trust and what has God given us to teach us this he's given us general revelation things such as the birds and the flowers to look at to say you know what the God is teaching us through creation about his care and his love his provision for us If that weren't enough, we have Jesus himself, the living word, declaring to us the special revelation that we are loved by the Father. How much more are we cared for? Not only did he send his son to die for us, he sent his son to give us new life, to give us joy and hope, to give us confidence of his love. The Apostle John understood this he often referred to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. What a tagline to go around and say, I'm loved to Jesus. You can almost picture young John walking around everywhere he went. He would describe himself as the one who's loved by Jesus. Yet he wants us to understand that he alone is not loved. In his epistle, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, he says this. He says, what, grave, what great love the Father has lavished on us. What great love the Father has lavished on us. Church, have you ever just sat back and realized how much you're loved by God? Have you ever just sat back and realized that the lavish amount of love God has for you, that he gave his one and only son for you? And if he's caring for your spiritual destiny, how much more is he caring for your physical needs? See, these are the truths that Jesus wants us to center on. He wants us to remember how much we are loved. So church, I ask you this morning, do you know how much you're loved by God? If so, then why worry? Why fear? Why be anxious? That's the point that Jesus is making. In fact, Jesus goes on to say, in light of that good news... There's some things we should and shouldn't do. As a response in gratitude to what Christ has already done for you, lavishing his love upon you, now live out of gratitude for me. What is that list? We notice he quickly tells us there's things we shouldn't seek. Look at verse 30. He says in verse 30, For all the nations of the world are seeking after these things, and your Father knows that you have need of them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. What is he saying? He's saying, stop seeking the things of the world. Stop seeking the things the pagans seek. Stop trying to be rich in possessions and comfortable in this life. That's not why you've been called. This life will be burned up. This is the world where the moth will eat and and the rust will destroy. Set your eyes on the kingdom of heaven. Don't seek after these things. Don't be like the pagans. Because your father, notice the personal relationship, he knows your need. The father knows your need. Last week we talked about the fact that God knows every hair upon our head. He doesn't just know the sum total. He knows the number of that exact hair. Friends, as you contemplate that, understand this. He knows your needs better than you. And in his love for you, he is calling you to trust him. Don't seek like the world. No, rather, understand your father knows your need. And in response, therefore seek his kingdom And all these other things will be added. This is an important point because too often we get this twisted. We live in a world of fear and anxiety rather than one in trust and in hope. Jesus understands. In verse 32, he goes to the heart of the matter. He says, fear not, little flock. For your father's good pleasure is to give you the kingdom. Just look at the words describing verse 32. Fear not, little flock. The command is to stop fearing and yet he understands who we are. We're weak little lambs. We're in need for everything. The very air we breathe is dependent upon God. But fear not, little flock. Here's why. It is your father's good pleasure to give to you. Friends, I don't know if there's a greater verse in all of the Bible That it is the Father's good pleasure. It's His joy. It's His desire to give to you. But He doesn't just give you the things of this world. Notice, He gives us His kingdom. He gives us His kingdom. And because we have the, the fullness of His kingdom, what should we do about it? Look what He says in verse 33 Therefore, sell your possessions. Give to the needy. This is the very opposite of covetousness. Rather than than worrying and fretting about what you don't have, give away what you do have. Acting in such trust, in such confidence. That's how we should act in response to the fact that we know we are in the eye of the Father's good pleasure. He goes on to say at the end of verse 32, he goes on to say, provide yourselves what will not perish or fail or be stolen or be destroyed. I struggle with that. i got to admit this week as I wrestled through that, I, what, what does he mean, provide yourselves? Isn't the whole point of this passage that, that God is the provider? Now all of a sudden he's putting the weight back on us? God, what do you mean here, provide yourselves? I can't provide myself those things. He's drawing us back to what he taught us already, That the down payment of our inheritance is the Holy Spirit. The down payment of the kingdom is God himself. And the Holy Spirit lives within us. And the Holy Spirit is the one who makes it possible for us to do the right thing. It's the Holy Spirit who works in our heart and creates our desires to actually live for God. Yes, our spiritual battle is true. It's real. The struggle is. But we're called to do the right thing. In fact, we're expected to do the right thing because God has already given us what we need in the person and work of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. That's why Paul could write in 1 Corinthians 10 13. He says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. He goes on to say, God is faithful. Notice that God is faithful. You're going to face every temptation like everybody else. But get this, God is faithful. He won't let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with that temptation, notice this, he will also provide a way of escape so that you'll be able to endure it. What is he saying, Paul? Paul is saying, ultimately, we can be assured that we can have victory, not because of ourselves, but because of God's gift to us. So when he talks about provide yourselves, it's provide yourselves from all that I've already given you. The outpouring of my love to you. The forgiveness and and the regeneration and the work of of what Christ has purchased and is now applied to you through the Holy Spirit. The ability to obey. Stop seeking after temporal things, Jesus is saying. Like the rest of the world. And start seeking after God. And he live for his kingdom because I've already made it possible for you. That's the good news. See, church, the real question is, which kingdom do we find ourselves focusing on? If you're honest, like me, too often the wrong kingdom. Too often I'm more concerned and more worried about the things of this life, ignoring the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But see, it really does come down to the issue of a heart, doesn't it? Look at verse 34. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, the key is you do what you love. You, you give your resources towards what you value. You spend on the things that you most desire. And what has God given us? He's given us a new desire, a new love. Because he's given us a new heart. Listen to Ezekiel 36, 25 through 26. This is the prophecy of what would happen in the, in the coming kingdom. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you'll be clean from all your uncleanliness. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. You'll be washed and cleaned in Jesus, but it doesn't stop there. In verse 26, he says, and I will give you a new heart. That's regeneration. And a new spirit I will put within you. I'm going to make you alive to be a a new being. And I will remove your heart of stone from your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. That's the work that God has done in us. Our desires are different now. Again, he's speaking to the believer and he's saying, I've done everything you need. I've empowered you with the Holy Spirit. I've given you a new heart. Now go and live for me. This is an important point, because as you think back to the reality of this and what it looks like, we say, yeah, but that's not really living in the real world, Aaron. Do you know what the struggles and the burdens and the conflicts are, the things we have to worry about? I'll go back to my friend, R.C. Sproul. He explained in his own testimony, he said he watched his dad die slowly over a period of three years all while R.C. was in high school. He says during that period, his dad suffered some four strokes and finally was taken home on the fourth stroke. He would talk about how his father was confined to a wheelchair. And almost always when you saw his dad in his wheelchair, he would find him holding a magnifying glass, reading his Bible. The truth is, R.C. would say, is that his dad would have much to be anxious about. He wasn't earning any money. He wasn't able to care for his family. He wasn't sure that his kids would ever get the opportunity to go to college. Especially, this was important, as one of them was in high school, moving soon to graduation. In fact, his dad didn't even know if he was going to survive another week. But often, R.C. would remind himself that his dad would call him over, through distorted speech and a sagging jaw, he would say to me, RC said, Be anxious for nothing, what you eat, or what you should drink, or what you should put on. My father, RC said, clung to this text to the very end of his life. My dad did not ever appear to be anxious truth is his dad seemed to know where his riches truly dwelled in his God friends what about you being given that new heart are you living it out in the midst of the suffering we're here and this world is full of suffering pain is real but we're called to trust We're told not to be anxious. We're told not to worry. And we've been given a new heart, and we've been given the power of the Holy Spirit to obey. We're told that worrying is a sin. But if we've been given a new heart, a new heart that's focused on the kingdom, we should be willing to use all of our resources our time, our energy, even our money for the kingdom of God. And friends, that shouldn't be a burden. It actually should be a joy. It should be a joy because we understand that we are now free from simply pursuing temporal things all because of the radical change the gospel has provided. As J.I. Packer rightly says, we're now able to trust and go. We're able to do all that he has commanded to live for him. But the question is, where's our heart? For where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Church, the key to not fearing is to remembering to whom we belong. In verse 32, he said, Fear not, little flock, It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. We must remember that we are a weak little flock of lambs. We must always remember how dependent we truly are. The moment we begin to think that we're the lion, we've mistaken ourselves. And here Jesus reminds them who they are. We are a weak little flock. But the good news is, it is the Father's good pleasure to care for us. It is the Father's great joy that he sent his own son to die for us. And to do what? To give us the kingdom. Church, we lack nothing. We have everything. Therefore, we need to fear not, as the command says. As I read this passage and work through it, one psalm kept coming back to mind. It's a famous psalm, Psalm 23. It's the picture, I believe, of what it means to truly know you're rich in God. Listen as I read it to the description that is given not only of the flock, but of the provision of the shepherd. And notice all that he provides. The Lord is my shepherd. Note the personal relationship. I shall not want, for he provides everything. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Everything spiritual is provided. He leads me in paths of righteousness. For his namesake, he gives me the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to obey. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. Those who laugh and scoff and say, what a waste of resources and time and giftedness. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days, not some of the days, but all the days of my life. And what is my reward? I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Church, we are called to trust God and to go, to obey his commands. We have no reason to fear because we are rich in God. He has lavished his love upon us so richly and so perfectly in the purchasing of our own salvation through Jesus Christ, in gifting us the work of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us and promising us his kingdom forever. We have no reason to ever fear or worry. For God has provided all we need. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the provision and the gift of salvation. But Lord, thank you also for the provision and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Who enables us to truly see all the gifts we have been given the provision of food, the provision of clothing, the fact that we do not have to fear or worry for if you take care of the raven and the lilies, you surely will take care of us. God, may we truly bask in the sunlight and the joy of what it is to know that you lavish all your goodness upon us. May we truly celebrate the provision you have made. And Lord, may we use our resources for your kingdom and your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. And God's people said.
0: This has been a podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Trenton, Michigan. For more information, please visit us online at fpchurch.tv.